WGBH 9:10 a.m. interview of the week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network uh, in North Texas. And glad you're listening. This uh, is going to be an interesting 2025 minutes uh, because we have an international flavor to this uh, interview, which typically doesn't happen. I am speaking to a writer, director, and producer who currently is in Greece. Uh, her name is Yelena Popovich. And you very likely heard the promotion and talk about the movie that came out recently called Man of God, uh, which had to do with uh, the true story of St. Nectarios of Aegina, Greece. And the big news now is that this Man of God home movie is now available on home entertainment release, uh, VOD, DVD, Blu-ray, Apple TV, you know, anywhere that you get movies, it's now available. And so that's the big news. But uh, very honored to speak to Yelena Popovich about this movie. So, Yelena, thanks for uh, for joining us. I know it's a lot later where you are than where I am right now. So, uh, thanks for being a guest on the program. No, thank you for having me, and I'm honored to be uh, on your show. Yeah. So, uh, you and I spoke a little bit before we started recording. Uh, you were born in Serbia. Uh, you've lived in the United States. Now you're in Greece. You've kind of kind of moved around a little bit. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Uh, maybe your upbringing and uh, and also your, your your faith walk as well. Of course. Um, I was born in Belgrade uh, at the time when I was born, 1975, it was Yugoslavia. It was a lot of different uh, countries together. Yeah. When I left, it was still Yugoslavia. So it took me a while before I actually started saying I'm from Serbia. Yeah. <laughs> now now uh, Belgrade is capital of Serbia. It used to be capital of Yugoslavia. Uh, so I was born uh, in the family. My, my parents are great people. Uh, my father has passed away. My mom is still alive. Uh, good, honorable people. Uh, because probably because at the time, you know, communism uh, was, um, you know, it was it was a communist country for a while in a way. Even though it's not not something like Russia or or Eastern Bloc, because we were under Tito, we were a little more free in a way. We didn't experience that kind of thing. But it was there were some issues and. And as you know, under communism, you know, religion is sort of forbidden. And it's yes. not something that uh, uh, you can do in open or, or it's not something that's encouraged. So probably because of that, uh, my parents didn't really go to church, uh, didn't talk much about faith. However, uh, both my parents were baptized when they were kids. Uh, I didn't know anything about uh, Jesus Christ, about uh, Holy Virgin Mary when I was in Serbia, but I did know that God existed. I, mm -hmm. I had always had, somehow I had a strong faith. And even when I left, actually I remember when I left Serbia, I went to church and I asked God to protect me knowing that he's there and that I needed his protection on my journey to uh, a better life, so-called. I was 17 years old at the time. I was going to Italy to do modeling, and then I moved to New York to continue that and then transitioned to California, where I studied to be an a actress, writer, and director. So, But faith has played a huge part in my life. I must say that, that somehow, I, even when I look back at my diaries that I've always written, I would always have that connection. I, I felt that somebody was taking care of me and watching over me. Uh, however, not until I... Um, uh, well, the, I, I want to mention this as well. When I was in New York, 
uh, it was 1994. I used to live, uh, when I first got my apartment finally, I had it for about a year, uh, I uh, had a little studio apartment on 34th and Park, and uh, I would walk, I remember, almost every day to 50th and Madison at the Church of St. Patrick, mm. St. Patrick's Cathedral. Yes. And I had a special, I would like literally go and read my favorite books. One of them was Dostoevsky. Uh, I must say that I've learned a lot from him as an artist. And I, I read him and I, and I prayed, obviously, and I would spend a lot of time there. And in the back, where the, now the statue of the Holy Virgin is, I didn't even at the time know exactly whose statue that was, believe it or not. But I recognized to the left, there was a statue of Archangel Michael. It actually was written. And I used to pray to him a lot. Mm. And I've, I had a, a very strong connection to him. And uh, so that's how my faith started. And then when I, when I moved to Los Angeles, I remember I read the Bible for the first time. And eventually, after the, uh, at, when I was 21, because I thought I wasn't baptized, at least my parents told me I wasn't, I went to a Serbian church, as I'm from Serbia, uh, and I got baptized at the age of 25 after my first son was born. I went back to the same church uh, because I remember a friend of mine called me who I used to hang out a lot. She was an artist as well. And she remembers me often talking about Jesus uh, in the, you know, when we were, I would usually hang out with a lot of people from the, from, from the art, arts crowd, whether they were musicians or uh, actors. And, and at the time, I, you know, it's when, you, when you first start reading the Bible, at least for me, I really fell in love with Christ, mm-hmm. with Jesus Christ. And, I, and, I, and I've had a very strong, I, I kind of, it all felt, you know, it, it came together and I spoke about it quite often. It wasn't like I, I was pushing that on anybody, but I felt people were hungry for it. Yeah. And my friend remembered, uh, and she wasn't a believer, and she would, they would usually laugh at me, and they would say, well, come on, you're, will you believe in that? And I would often talk to them, and whether they were uh, on some kind of substance or whatever they were doing, you know, in, our, in that world, there was a lot of that. I would, I would try to help as much as I could, uh, because I felt that something special had happened to me, and that I had this special protection, and that, that I had love in, in my heart because of what I've experienced. Yeah. So I was trying to share that with them. So later on, to go to year 2000, uh, that specific friend of mine is ca- called me. And she said to me, Elena, are you going to church? Have you confessed? Have you taken a communion? And I'm like, why would I have to do? See, I didn't know any of that. Yeah. And, and she said to me, well, I remember you preaching uh, about these things, but you gotta, you got to do this. And I remember me kind of listening to her and at the same time, and thinking, well, not really, but then something told me, listen to her. Like there was this mm. voice that I would always listen to. There is somewhere deep in, inside of me. So I said, you know what, I'm going to do it. So I, I called the priest. It was the same priest that had baptized me like a few years ago. And I remember having my first confession. And then a week later, I, I took uh, communion. And I'm, I'm being honest now, I've, I don't know, at the time I didn't know what it was, but I had experienced a presence of grace for about six to seven hours where I was crying and laughing at the same time. <laughs> that is awesome. So, and, uh, and, I, and, and, and ever since then, you can just imagine, I never went back. 
Yeah. That was the beginning of my, of my you know, a different kind of life. At that point, I have embarked on, and I'm a, I, I, to be honest, I was somebody who wasn't going to church, who wasn't brought up in the church. So, you know, it was about 20 years struggle, a struggle that will continue till we die, obviously. Yeah. You know, within ourselves, with the, with the help of God, but that was, that was uh, you know, that's basically the beginning of my age. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for that. That's, that's, it's good uh, to get that biographical information because uh, as we start talking about the movie itself, now you know the, uh, the, the, you know, the story behind the, the director, producer, writer of this movie, Man of God. By the way, the website, manofgodthemovie.com, is where you can find out more information about it. Of course, as we said, it's now had its, the home entertainment release is available as of uh, the time that this airs. And my guest is Yelena Popovich who is the writer, director, and producer of the movie. And this is about St. Nectarios of Aegina, Greece. I hope I pronounced that right. Uh, I think... Per, Gina, for, you, it's correct. Aegina or Aegina. Either way, it's correct. Oh, okay. Good. I like, I like options. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think for the typical person listening, including myself, this, this saint has not crossed our radar screen we have never heard of this saint and so i which i actually like because there's a lot of really popular saints that we hear about all the time but it's neat to hear a new story and so when when did this particular saint uh first come to your awareness uh, that's a good question uh, now if we go back to the year 2000 when what i just mentioned had happened to me uh for about like the, the first time I read about him was 12 years later. Now, I was already going to church, and I was part of the church, uh, and I sort of heard about him. And I went to Arizona a few times. There is a monastery, beautiful monastery, Greek Orthodox monastery, uh, dedicated to St. Anthony the Great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would visit quite often when I had a moment, I had a chance to travel from Los Angeles, and I had time. And I've heard a couple of people had told me about him, but I didn't know much about him. Now, when I went to Serbia after many years, because I was one of those immigrants, it took me a while to get my papers sorted out. I'm an American citizen now, which I'm really happy about. But uh, I had, you know, sometimes, you know, it takes a while to get these things uh, in order. And uh, therefore, I wasn't able to leave the country. So when my father had passed away in 2011, I really couldn't travel because I couldn't come back and I couldn't do that, having two children, having my life in in the U.S. So a year later, I went to Serbia after 10 years of not being there for the memorial, one-year memorial of my father. The reason I'm there, this is connected to the movie in a way. That's why I'm talking about this. So when I was there uh, in Belgrade, I went to Mass in one of the churches nearby. And I, at the bookstore after the Mass, I saw a book about St. Icario, Begina. And I remember hearing about him, so I thought, well, as I liked reading about the saint, it's something that always inspired me and gave me courage. I bought that book thinking, well, I'm flying back to L.A., it's a long flight, and all that, it's about 17 hours, you know, 12 to get to one of the cities, and, you know, altogether it's about 17, 18-hour uh, trip. I, uh, I was really, when I started reading him and I read about him, because he was somebody who was unjustly prosecuted, mm. uh, 
including within the church, but he was unjustly prosecuted throughout his whole life. And my father, who had just passed away, and he was obviously in my mind, in my heart, in my soul, uh, was somebody who lived a righteous life. And because he was righteous, because he wasn't willing to do things that are unethical, he was very much prosecuted. He mm. lost his job, and, and, and he worked in a really small factory, regardless of the fact he was the best civil engineer in the country. Oh, wow. And he never looked back. He never wanted to sell out. So, so, so that really spoke on a very personal level to me, Yeah, his story. And also his incredible faith. Uh, I mean, he lived by faith. And I must say, I, I'm not comparing myself to a saint in any shape or form, <laughs> but uh, just me as a person, I did live by faith so, so all my life. And I know what that means. So those two elements were crucial. Uh, in me deciding that I could do justice to this film and to him, and that I, if I were to, you know, if it's God's will, if it were God's will, if it was God's will at that point, if I had a blessing from the saints, uh, I really prayed to him, and 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 I, I, I used my my craft. I studied in a really good school for acting, writing, and directing, and I believe that I was able, if I do the thing, things the right way, to bring him to people's hearts. And I felt that his story is a very valuable story to tell, especially nowadays. Yes. And uh, that, 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 that's how it sort of happened. Yeah, I always like to know the time period, uh, and of course the location where somebody lived, and I, uh, I, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, he lived in the second half of the uh, tw- the the 19th century, born in 1846, died in 1920, and um, of course lived in Greece. What were some of the kind of political and church-related things that he had to deal with uh, during that the course of his life? Well, uh, Greece at the time was just uh, liberated from the Ottoman uh, invasion empire, and Greece people in uh, it, it was it was just about. It was going through a change. They were, they were, you know, getting back on track. And, and the church thing is something that didn't only happen back then. It, it happens nowadays. It happens in all different churches. <laughs> Not only ours, it happens that, and, and this is where I want to stress why this has happened. Because he was a man who was uh, very humble, and he, he loved the Lord, and he really lived by what he preached. Yeah. Now, when you become man of power, when you get become a bishop or a cardinal, or you know you get on these higher positions, you take a risk of actually losing that innocence. And actually, a lot of people in the in the high power of the church positions, and we know what what I'm about to say very well. They they abuse that power. They mm-hmm. they're no longer you know maybe they start with good intention at one point, but the the desire for money and for power corrupts them at one point. And they, they, they get on the wrong path. And, and, and it could be very damaging. And we've seen what happens. A lot of people, I know a lot of people that, do not, that refuse to go to church. Wonderful people, people that could potentially, that should be there, that should take advantage of this uh, grace the Lord has given us and, and, and eternal life. And, 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 and he has given us a freedom that we can attain even while we are here in this world and experience that eternity. But they refuse to go because they say, well, I see a lot of things in the church that I don't like. Therefore, I don't believe in, 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 in this and this is not for me. 
And I've heard a lot of this, uh, and that's one of the reasons I did my movie, because I feel that this film shows that, yes, it could be some corruption in the church, because there are no angels in the church. The human beings run you mm-hmm. know, these institutions. But the grace of God and the Holy Spirit is real, and it's in the church. Yeah. And, 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 and the film shows that. So... <laughs> Tell us about the, the, the filming of it. Did you film it in Greece? Uh, uh, Mickey Rourke star, uh, stars as uh, St. Nectarios, right? So uh, maybe some of the other particulars. No, no. Uh, no Mickey, Mickey, Rourke, Mickey Rourke stars as a paralyzed man. Oh, okay. So uh, he's, the, he's not St. Nectarios. Okay. Uh, no, he's not. It's a Greek actor, Ari Seritalis, who's an amazing actor. He plays uh, St. Nectarios. Oh, Mickey okay. Rourke plays not a very big but extremely significant role towards the end of the movie, which is a very difficult role, and he's at his best at it. Oh, good. And, 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 and Mickey, as you know, is, uh, even though he has his own demons and, and he struggles with many things, he is actually uh, a believer, and uh, he's somebody who prays a lot, and he has, he has faith. He's a Roman Catholic, and he goes to church, and he prays to Holy Virgin Mary three times a day, and even in one of his interviews that he's given recently, he, he said that. Oh. And, and uh, he even said, listen, a lot of people would probably, they're going sh- to get very surprised to hear that I pray <laughs> Holy Virgin yeah. three times a day. But he said, for me, for somebody like me, uh, he said, uh, that's probably why I'm still alive and I'm not in prison. Yeah. Oh, well, praise God for that. Uh, and is the movie in, uh, in English or English subtitles? Uh, uh, how the movie is in English. Okay. The movie is in English. It, it has accents because I thought, and I think it's, it, it's, it's well done because it would be, in my opinion, unbelievable to do it in, in like American accent. You yeah. know, it's, it's more, I think it's more believable with accents. Yeah, especially right. Especially for the story that's happening in Egypt and in Greece, it's, it's like, for example, um, uh, Franco Zaffarelli's Jesus of Nazareth had accent. Because it's just, it would not be as believable if you had no accent. Right, whatsoever. right. <laughs> that's, yeah. uh, that's a good point. Uh, by the way, yeah. if you're just joining us, this is the interview of the week. Yelena Popovich is uh, my guest uh, all the way from Greece, where she is uh, now, uh, writer, director, and producer of the movie Man of God, which tells the true story of St. Nectarios of Aegina, uh, Aegina, Greece. I got, okay, Aegina, Greece. Uh, she said I could pronounce it either way. Um, and the website yeah. is manofgodthemovie.com. And it is now available on its home entertainment release. It hit the theaters, and it's available now, uh, VOD, DVD, Blu-ray, Apple TV, anywhere where you can access movies, it's going to be available. It's called Man of God. And the exciting thing is, uh, I'm going to have some giveaway copies of the DVD to tell you about just in a few minutes when we uh, uh, start wrapping up this interview. Uh, um, Yelena, what has been the reaction i understand it's it's won some awards when it came on and it's it's you know theater release what kind of response and reaction did you get from people and and what what were the awards that the the film won well first yes uh, we have won some awards we won audience award at moscow international film festival at the time we have won uh, uh best uh, film international film at siena film festival in italy we have won uh, best uh, international, no, best film, faith film 
at the religion today, which was given specifically by the member of Vatican. Hmm. Uh, we have one uh, uh, in, in, in Buffalo, New York, there is a, a Christian film festival. We won a bunch of awards there, including Best International Film. So I, I, I can keep adding, there are a lot of awards yeah. we have won, so I don't want to, so, so it's been critically acclaimed. We got great reviews in France, uh, did extremely well. We got uh, in, in, in U.S. it played for two days, for those two days that it had played. It was in the fifth place uh, after, like, studio films, including uh, Batman and things, movies like that, uh, by viewership. It, it was very well attended. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> it was the highest grossing film of the year in Greece. Oh wow! Uh, and so it, it did. It did extremely, extremely well. And 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 I'm going to just share one uh, comment that I got from a lady who had interviewed me for Sun Critique. It's a magazine. It's a, a secular magazine in France. I don't know if the lady is Roman Catholic or if she's a believer or not. I, I haven't asked her. But she has interviewed me, and after interviewing me and watching the movie, she had sent me a personal email, and she had told me. This. She had said that my husband had passed away a year ago from cancer. He was very young. She was devastated. Uh, she said, if I didn't have a daughter, I uh, don't think I would have survived. Uh, before I went to see her movie, I still did not have any desire to live. Every time I would have woken up, I wish I didn't. Mm. And she said, I don't know how, but after watching your film, I feel living. I feel like living again. Oh, wow. Wow. So yeah. this film is actually geared towards uh, helping people that are suffering. Uh, St. Nectarius was a saint who suffered a lot. He had passed away from cancer, and he has uh, performed thousands of miraculous healings, from, especially from cancer. Mm. That's, that's, that's so awesome. This is something that people should, should hear about, because especially nowadays, uh, unfortunately, cancer is becoming like pandemic, unfortunately. So if anybody is struggling with that, they should pray to him. Yeah. And they could receive a healing. Yeah. Um, just have a couple minutes remaining. Uh, tell us about, you know, obviously we're a Roman Catholic radio station. I'm a Roman Catholic, and uh, this is a, a, a Greek Orthodox saint. Uh, does that play out, or is, would there be anything in the movie that Roman Catholics might say, gosh, that seems a little different, or uh, or, or do you think it would it would just be a, an easy, um, you know, no, thing for us is, to understand? I, even the fact, you see, France is a, is a Roman Catholic country. Yeah. Uh, they All the Catholic reviews were fantastic. I mean, there is nothing about the movie. You don't even have to have... Faith, believe me when I tell you this, you don't even have to be a believer to, to kind of feel this film. So, yeah. of course, for somebody who is Roman Catholic, I feel it's going to uh, be very special because you do believe in saints, you, you venerate Holy Virgin Mary, so it's, it's the same thing as in Orthodox Church. So for a Catholic audience, it's going to be very familiar. Uh, but I, I even, even for uh, any other Christian denomination or even... Non-Christian denominations, I think it's it's a, it's a film that crosses over to mainstream because of the way it's done. 
Yeah, awesome. Well, congratulations on all the success. I hope the uh, home entertainment release is as, as successful as the uh, theater release is. Um, and I, I mentioned that we have some giveaways, and thanks to uh, Yelena and her team and also Carmel Communications, uh, Kevin Wandra, my contact over there, we have 10 uh, DVD copies that we can mail to uh, listeners. And so if you're listening now and if you would like a DVD copy, all you have to do is email me, uh, Dave Palmer at grnonline.com. Dave Palmer at grnonline.com. And I will send that list over to Kevin and he will make sure that a DVD copy of Man of God is uh, sent to you. And if you want to learn more about the, the movie or uh, order additional copies or, you know, anything else, just go to manofgodthemovie.com. Manofgodthemovie.com. And, uh, Yelena, we are out of time. Uh, Yelena Popovich has been my guest, writer, director, and producer of Man of God. Thank you for doing this project. It sounds awesome. I have not seen it yet, but I'm excited to watch it. Maybe I'll uh, email myself and get one of those copies. <laughs> but, uh, uh th- thank you very much. I-, I appreciate the opportunity to speak to you today. Oh, thank you for having me. I appreciate you uh, talking to me. Thank you very much. Uh, This has been the KTH 910 AM Interview of the Week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Thank you for listening. Have a great rest of your weekend. God bless you. I snore, and I don't like wearing a CPAP machine. Is there an alternative? Hi, I'm Dr. Kyle Eberline with MidCities Dental and a longtime sponsor of this great station. Yes, there is an alternative. We can make you a snore guard, an oral appliance that custom fits in your mouth and which allows you to walk around and drink water during the night. We have offices in Hearst and Bedford. You can visit us at midcitiesdental.com to get more information. Hello and welcome to another edition of the KTH 910 AM Interview of the Week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Uh, Here on KTH 910 AM, I'm Dave Palmer. Diane is running the board. And uh, one of the things that we've done on this program many times is we have interviewed local authors. And it's a great uh, joy of mine because I am an author myself and I'm ri- working on a new book. So I know the joys and challenges of writing and the whole process. And uh, today we have a returning guest. You might remember, uh, it was a while back, I uh, interviewed a gentleman by the name of Greg Hendry uh, for a book that he wrote called Momming from Heaven. And he has uh, gone on to write uh, additional books along that theme. Uh, his latest book is called Power Priests, 12 Ordinary Men Who Accepted an Extor- Extraordinary Call. And I will add that uh, Greg and his wife uh, are members of St. Anne's Parish in Capel. And uh, he has uh, a total of five children, uh, four girls and one boy. So, Greg, thanks for coming back. Good to, good to speak with you. Thanks, Dave, for having me again. Uh, look forward to talking to you. All right, so tell me, uh, you, you've gone from Momming from Heaven, which I know was uh, really a tribute and a, a book about your, your late wife who passed away, uh, and now on to priests. Uh, tell me about the, the, the inspiration to you know, tackle this project. Yeah, I think inspiration is a good term for it. Um, certainly one I uh, heard kind of called to do, partly because uh, I know actually for the priests personally, two were very influential uh, in my Catholic development uh, as a teenager and, and actually through college. Uh, another one is a personal friend who heard his calling later. So it was really two, uh, twofold. One, I heard the calling that, hey, there's sort of this gap. You know, we hear a lot of negative press, unfortunately, uh, around the priesthood. Um, but there's a lot of priests, and, and certainly these priests exemplify those who are very happy with their calling 
Um, they're very inspirational, and they, they offer unique stories, maybe in their background or things they've done uh, prior to be, prior to their call to their priesthood. So I thought it would be a good good group to, to cover um, and the target of some teens to, to introduce them to both some priests who have passed, but also those who are continuing their work today. And I, I love when I'm looking at the, the names of the, the 12 that you chose for the chapters, I, it's such a great assortment. There's uh, a couple of local priests. We'll talk about them. Uh, several well-known kind of, you know, like media priests, uh, so to speak, uh, uh, a couple of canonized saints, and uh, there's a couple that I, I've never heard of. And so <laughs> this is, uh, it's a night from, for me personally, it's, it's a very intriguing, uh, list because, uh, th- there's a lot of curiosity I have, even with the ones that I've never heard of myself. So, uh, talk about, you know, the, the, uh, you probably could have written on 50 and you could have, you know, written on five. Why 12 and, uh, why these particular men? That's a great question. I, you know, certainly 12 obviously has a significant number. I figure if Jesus chose 12 apostles, it felt like a good number. Um, it also felt like a good size of a book. So each biography is about 12 to 15 pages, so it can be read, and, and there's pictures there. So I would say it can be read in kind of a 20 to 30-minute sit, sitting, so kind of the attention span, I think, would, would, would keep people interested. And I like that you you notice that there's a mix of well-known or, you know, saints as well as uh, priests that might be less known, but certainly all have a story. And I think it offers a good mix, both geographically as well as background. Um, so there's former athletes, former military, former musicians, uh, you know, and a lot of, a lot of them are on social media now that, as you pointed out with Father Mike Schmitz and some others that are, are pretty well known, but, we might not know the background. We know what they're doing today, but what brought them to the priesthood? So that was the idea to share their stories of their their lives before and after priesthood. Yeah. Interesting that, you know, of all the adjectives that you could have used for the title and also for the individual chapters, this word power keeps coming up. Uh, well, why was that word important to you? Yeah, it, it's, it's one that I definitely contemplated for a while. Uh, I think it has... Certainly the twofold uh, approach was one, you know, obviously the, the powers of a priest is, is, is really comes through the Holy Spirit, right? So it's not their personal power, um, but, but certainly the, the priesthood itself comes with that power of the forgive sins, for example. And, and that's such a great thing to recognize and I think something instrumental to our, to our Catholic belief and certainly one instituted by Christ. The other piece is, if you if you look at their stories and, and 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 for example, one was an army sniper, the other was an army ranger. I mean, they and and some continue from a fitness perspective, uh, becoming powerful in both their mind, body, and soul. So I think it's a good adjective. And and I think the other piece, I guess to add a third one, is as I contemplated that title, powers is used often throughout the Bible, and and I, I actually use quotes within it to show it, and, and certainly, as I mentioned, the power of the Holy Spirit, but also just, just the power of our, of our faith and, and what it can do, and, and certainly the miracles that happen even today, not just in the Bible. So I, I felt it captured all that, um, certainly contemplated other ones, had some editors discuss other things like, you know, shepherds and things like that, because we talk about the encyclical from uh, St. John Paul II and his 
uh, encyclical in 1992 about I will I will I will bring you shepherds and but I think power priests sort of capture it in a short way and and hopefully appeals to the, the target audiences. Yeah, uh, I'm I, maybe I'm I'm seeing a lot of things that catch my eye about this list uh, and you tell me if this is a coincidence or not. But uh, of the local priests, you there's one from the Fort Worth diocese and there's one from the Dallas diocese. And uh, they also are the bookends of the chapters. The first chapter and the last chapter are the local priests. So, I, again, I may be reading a lot into this, or, uh, but uh, tell us, and also I'm thinking, gosh, you, you probably could have written 12 local priests if you wanted to, but you chose Father James Flynn, currently pastor of St. Elizabeth and Seton Parish in Keller, and also Father Edwin Leonard, uh, who is your pastor there at St. Anne's in Capel uh, for the last year or so. Why, why these two and any other significance of uh, why you chose these two men in particular? Yeah, I think, well, for, for one, I, I've gotten to know both of these men. So uh, Father Flynn was actually at St. Francis in Grapevine, where my father uh, is a parishioner. And get, getting to know him over the years and hearing some of his gospel, uh, his, his homilies and just, you know, his interpretations of the gospel and, and using his own experiences uh, going from actually an atheist at one point to ultimately the priesthood uh, with an interim step there in the military, I, I just found it fascinating, you know, just the, the spectrum. Uh, and it's interesting I, until you just pointed out, I didn't realize the locals were, were my bookend. So that's a, that's a, that's an observation I hadn't thought about. I, I really used father Flynn or, or told his story in the beginning. Cause I, I think it's a fascinating one because it talks about, you know, just how far we can be removed from the faith but certainly how far we can come. And I think Father Flynn has continued to show, especially, uh, you know, how we can be uh, put on the shield for Christ in, and certainly in our battle, our daily battles. And I think it's just a great message that he continues to, to tell. Um, Father Leonard, Father Edwin Leonard, uh, I've gotten to know him a little bit more over the last few years. Uh, he came to our parish after being uh, the, the head of uh, recruiting, I guess, in, in, in the Diocese of Dallas. So he may be well-known in the diocese. Um, I've got, I've known his dad for many years. And uh, another fascinating story, he's actually the youngest priest featured, but I think also epitomizes the, the priest of the future, someone who actually came up through a, a Catholic parish, was very involved in the high school ministry. His mother was a big influence on his faith. His dad was very involved. And I think it's just a great story. And, and to your point, I could think of 12, probably 12 times 12 of the priests of feature, and I hope this is volume one of many more. Yeah, uh, and I, I know you are probably very aware of this story, but uh, Father Edwin, his, big, his first reluctance to accept a, a call to the priesthood was that he didn't want to public speak. Have you heard that story? Uh, he, people would go up to him and say, you, you, you should be a priest, because he was a teenager going to daily mass, and he said, no, because I don't, I don't want to... I can't speak in public. And now, of course, as you know, he's a tremendous uh, speaker. So I think there's a real story there, especially for young people who aren't quite sure what their talents are. <laughs> Sometimes they develop, but uh, I think that's fascinating. Let me uh, ask you, uh, the canonized saints uh, that you chose, uh, St. John Paul II and also St. Jose Maria Escriva, uh, again, probably could have chosen many, many, but uh, why, why these two, two uh, men? Well, I'll, I'll start with uh, St. John Paul II. I think his influence on the next generation of priests can't be understated. And, and, I, and I do 
you know, I was fortunate, obviously, to grow up uh, knowing him as the Pope. I think this next generation, you know, since he, he passed probably before many of them were aware of their faith, that, you know, it's good to know him. Uh, he is example in many ways that, uh, you know, from a childhood in Poland, facing the adversities that he did, not only did he lose uh, his parents at a pretty young age, obviously dealt with the, the challenges of, of, of Nazi and, and the World War II, and ultimately then the, the Soviet Union moving into the Poland. So just those challenges that he met as a young man. And with among and he was just a normal young man, I guess, as normal as you can be in those circumstances. He was a skier. He was a hiker. He was an actor. And uh, he happened to be valedictorian of his high school, uh, which, which opened up opportunities. So he had many opportunities and choosing the priesthood and then becoming the most traveled pope of any pope is just fascinating in my mind. And, and I think it shows that, you know, having that strong, you know, and powerful mind, body, and soul is important in, in evangelizing. Um, Jose Maria Escriva, St. Jose Maria Escriva, was personally uh, influential to, I know, two of the priests. Uh, he, he was the founder of Opus Dei, who, who may, for folks who might not be familiar with him, uh, very influential in Spain. He got to start really helping the poor there. And uh, one that actually felt his call very early in life. And, I, and, and so it's, it's nice to also see that spectrum of folks who maybe felt their call later in their 20s or maybe as young as six or eight, I think some of the priests were. So uh, he's just one who brought the faith to the ordinary works of people, which was uncommon back in the early 1900s. And I think that's good for us all to remember for those who are, you know, now that we have social media and we can practice our faith daily through, you know, listening to maybe Bible in a year or um, some of these other uh, sites, it just wasn't that way. It wasn't always an ordinary faith for the ordinary person to practice their faith. And, and I think he was a, he was a, a visionary in that. Yes. Uh, my, my guest is Greg Hendry, author of Power Priests, 12 Ordinary Men Who Accepted an Extraordinary Call. And uh, we covered a few of them here. We're not going to be able to probably cover all, but uh, did you, I'm just curious, uh, somebody like Father Mike Schmitz or uh, Father Leo Paddlinghug or the, the two local priests that you mentioned, did you have a chance to actually sit down or talk to these priests in preparation for this book? Or did you use other sources or uh, what was what was the kind of... Um, the MO, I guess, uh, so to speak, of, of, of writing these chapters. Yeah, it was, it was a mix of that, mix of interviews. I think you, you mentioned before interview, you know, Father Mike Schmitz is a, is a tough person to get a hold of. Yeah. <laughs> and um, he's just, he's just, well, even on his website, he has things that says his primary goal is he works at the University of Minnesota Duluth. And so uh, I did not have a personal interview with him, uh, but obviously there's a lot out there on, uh, on the internet and, and through social media about him. I, I did go through the Bible in the year. So just picked up on those stories that he shared there. Uh, he was also a speaker uh, at the pro-life March um, you know, in January. So some of the things that are from his speech there, uh, but, and, 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 and other interviews, but others, uh, for example, one of the priests that would not be well known here, uh, Father Rich Sutter in Charlotte, North Carolina, he and I actually served the military together and I, spent three days with him uh, just after Easter of this year, and, 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 and he was helping me, helped me with those things. Another one, Father Luke Mata, who's out in California, was in Dallas, and I, I had a breakfast 
interview with him. Um, some others I've worked through there. Uh, well, even, even Father Edwin, uh, I, I happened to be on a flight with him, uh, but his dad was very helpful in clarifying some of the things. But So a little bit of mix, uh, but yeah, like Father Leo is very popular on EWTN TV. I did not, uh, but there's a lot out there, and, and I try to encapsulate their stories, which, like I said, in a, in a short version, so there's probably a lot more, and that's one of the things I would encourage readers if if they find one they relate to, to, to explore more mm-hmm. and, and certainly, uh, and, and, and do more. So this is more, maybe an introduction to their, their, the, each, each of these priests. Yeah. I'm thinking, you know, there's uh, father Ted Hesburgh, uh, from Notre Dame university. You have chapter seven about him, Bishop Archbishop Fulton Sheen, uh, you even, especially with Fulton Sheen, pretty well known, uh, I, I'm wondering if, you know, as you're sitting down and you're saying, gosh, there's been a lot written about Archbishop Fulton Sheen. He had his own radio and TV program. Uh, did you say, like, I'm going to try to find a different angle? Or, or what, what, what was the, the strategy of trying to perhaps, you know, write something that may, maybe some people didn't already know? Or, 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 or did, did that cross your mind? It, it did, absolutely. And I, and I think, yeah, the different strategy was certainly to show um, – I shouldn't start with flaws, but maybe little things about each of them that were unique. Um, Bishop Fulton Sheen, when he was a young man, uh, and it's it's part of the the story, was he was actually an altar server and um, dropped uh, part of one of the things he was supposed to carry to the priest. And and he was just, he felt so bad about it. Uh, And that priest, I think, actually was a bishop. Sorry, I don't remember the name offhand, but it, it actually told him, you know, I see you someday being a great teacher and a bishop. And, you know, so someone influenced him as a young man. And certainly if we're targeting a young audience, um, I, I should add one of the parishioners at St. Anne's who, who happens to be a young man and he helped me review these uh, is actually contemplating the priesthood. So his call. And so it was nice to have his perspective. So that was the idea is with keeping them in mind, what would interest a young teenager uh, about a priest that says, here's something they were, here's how they were like as a young man or a teenager. Yeah. And here's how they made that transition to the call and listen to the call. Yeah. That, that's, I was my next question. I was going to ask, uh, more of a, I guess a statement or a question is that this book seems like a vocation director's best friend. <laughs> you know, have you been able to get it in the hands of seminaries and vocation directors or, or interest from the, from these, uh, the, these priests? Yeah, yeah, some have. Um, I personally haven't gotten into their hands yet. Uh, we, as of this interview, we actually uh, have the print going. So uh, these will be sent out, obviously, to the, the living priests and, and their par- parishioners. Uh, there's some vocational directors. Uh, and that's one of the ideas is, the, is to keep the cost low and, and, and actually give many away for free because the idea is really to, to get this in the hands and to, to someone who needs it and, and might be feeling that call. Uh, but it's and like I said, it's not the the full story of all these priests, but I think it's enough of a story that, as you mentioned, an, an angle that might be of interest and, and unique, uh, because we talk about their flaws. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I, I I had a I was probably most nervous about my own pastor's story, uh, but he's pretty open about his own flaws. He's he's a he's known for driving fairly fast, and he shared some stories about that even as a teenager, uh, and I include those in his story. 
but he also can use those as examples in his homilies as well as his talks right. uh, at different conferences. So yeah, it reminds me of Mother Angelica when she, Raymond Arroyo was right, I guess writing a book about her. Yeah, she said she insisted you you better not make me look like a saint or I'm gonna she she, she threatened to you know uh, torment him from from purgatory from heaven or whatever that she she said you know make sure you show all my flaws because that's the way you know I think that's the way that people want it to be and not look like you lived a perfect life. Uh, let me ask you uh, one one that really caught my attention here is uh, Father Vince Bork because uh, you've got all these. You know, fa- you know, famous priests and you know, military and athletes and pow- power professor and scientist. I'm not familiar with Father Vince Bork. Can you tell us about him? Yes, he's a he's a parish priest in Virginia, um, Arlington, Virginia, and actually was someone I met through uh, an Opus Day uh, camp in St. Louis. He was actually prior to his calling. He is a, a recent graduate of Notre Dame at the time, and he was studying for his PhD in physics at the universe, uh, Washington University in St. Louis. And uh, he actually got his, uh, felt his calling at times. Um, I'll be honest, my mother was, was partly an influence. She was kind of his St. Louis adopted mom. He's from Evansville, Indiana, and so he would come by quite a bit. But his work, obviously, in science, I think, was fascinating uh, because one of the, I, a couple of books that have influenced me talk a lot about the Catholic church and its influence on science. And I think that's something that, you know, modern media sometimes gets wrong. They talk about science being or faith and, and it's really science and faith. And, and here's a priest who's a PhD in physics. He's still a professor who, who certainly knows a lot more than I do about science and recognizes that the power truly comes from, from God. And, and certainly that, you know, the creator of the universe and some fascinating things about science he incorporates in his homilies, and I share a few of those in the book. Yeah, very nice. Uh, the book is called Power Priest, 12 Ordinary Men Who Accepted an Extraordinary Call uh, by author, father, veteran, uh, Catholic Christian Greg Hendry. Uh, this is his second book. As I mentioned, uh, Momming from Heaven is first, and then he has some children's books that uh, kind of came from that as well. And... Um, the, you mentioned that there might be a sequel. Uh, have you already started thinking about your next group of priests, or, or, or how serious are you about uh, having something uh, that comes after this one? Well, as a fellow author, you know, after you finish a book, it, it, it's, I, I use the analogy, it gets tougher towards the end. So a lot of those final edits. And so, uh, but I do, I do want to move forward on some things, and, and certainly two things that come to mind. One is continuing with other priests, but also uh, a power nuns version uh, because there's some great uh, ladies of the church that are, are, are certainly leading the way, just like as these men have, as well as power Catholics. So folks in media that have just done a great job, you know, they may have discerned a different life, you know, as, as parents and, and maybe single, but they're powerful Catholics that are influencing our faith. And I think it's good to share their stories. So, so contemplating those three different approaches and, and certainly welcome ideas. Uh, and that's part of the reason on the website we ask for, for feedback because you know, if we want more about priests, we can certainly provide that, but there's obviously many more Catholics yeah. we want to 
they want to share their stories. So many power books to, to, to come, it sounds like. Uh, FromHeavenBooks.com. FromHeavenBooks.com is the website where you can uh, pick up Power Priest, 12 Ordinary Men Who Accept an, an Extraordinary Call. I'm just curious from a you know writer's uh, 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 standpoint, uh, are these published by um, a publisher or self-published? Or what was the, the, the how, how, what decision did you make in that regard? Yeah, they're self-published right now. Um, I... I Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth, and North Texas. Catholic Radio for your soul on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone.